Peter Michaels. Hello, Patrick Bateman. Here in the Communal Creative Studios. I'm here, but I'm not here. Yes, because you are right now. I don't even know when this episode is going to come out. Hanging out I'm, with Mickey Mouse. I might be with a mouse or might be a, having a ballpark hot dog. Right, yes. I don't yes, know where yes. I'm going to be when this actually comes out. But, Baseball. Uh, are you, will you do Universal as well? Uh, this time we're not. Do you like Universal? Uh, it's okay. Okay. We've got, yeah. So this is like a kind of a, like we do this trip fairly regularly. Going to sunny um, California. Sunny California. And uh, yeah, for whatever reason, we have a little bit less time. Obviously, the budgets are a little more mm-hmm. stringent yep. these days. So Universal was cut. All right. And I, I enjoy it. 100% I enjoy it, but it's just one of those things when you're looking at what should we do, what can't we do. I'd rather go to another baseball game than. Well, I would like very much to go back in time and see uh, the set of the guest on the road the stage today. Yeah, I'm looking very forward to this chat because uh, she was just like a mesmerizing, I don't know if that's the right word, performer. Like just. Oh, no. I mean, there is, I, I've seen nothing like him ever. Yeah. Right? It's uh, It's just. It's a level of talent and style that and I think uh, is rare to going rare in, to witness. into the show that we were talking about. You were a little more familiar with uh, her tunes with Begonia, a little bit. Yeah, okay. absolutely. I mean, I've listened to uh, and her album Fear, which came out in 2019, I think it was, was a pretty big deal. Um, but again, it's not necessarily a vein of music that I spend too much time mm-hmm. on. It's also not um, uh, like I don't know what Begonia or Alexa would would categorize herself as necessarily but it's not a huge market right you don't have a chance once a week to see a musician like this true at a venue that always has shows like this yeah so a couple months ago begonia opened up for shaky graves at bows and it was crazy like it was so good which i mean and, we've said it a million times since then right and she's so that maybe a name that's familiar with you maybe not i wasn't uh super familiar and then when i was actually kind of going through and doing some of my research for this yeah i did look up the the previous band that she'll end up talking about she which, I mean, she yeah, I mean, yeah. Uh, which i hadn't heard before juno award winning yeah but in a you know kind of a genre that i don't typically mm-hmm. dive into so i thought well i'll go and give it a, i listened to that whole debut album of theirs from stuff. front to back while i like i actually stopped doing my research uh, just to listen to that album, and yeah. it's amazing. Yeah, there's a lot of talent out there, and Begonia is indeed one of the... I mean, and uh, towards the end of the conversation, we talked a bit about uh, uh, the band behind Alexa, and yeah, they're all mega, mega talented. Yeah, and it's funny, as I was kind of listening to some of her stuff, I did liken it a little bit in a way. So she, there's some Adele comparisons that get thrown out, and you'll see that in a couple of things, and I think she's even brought up that it's been brought up to her about the Adele Yeah, but who else do you compare to? But who else do you... And I hate comparing, but if you're going to compare, but it almost seemed to me like in a craft beer kind of way, you know, Adele is the Budweiser, and... Begonia is is the craft beer. Interesting. Just a, to me, it felt like that. Yeah, a little I more mean, flavor, a little more substance, a little more. I have not spent enough time listening to Adele, but it just there's that category seems so small. Like, where are these powerhouse singers? Yeah, right. I and, uh, can you name more than five? And definitely not. Exactly. So it is. It is. Yeah. It is just. It's uh it's an important segment of the music scene, and uh, I I'm, feel very grateful that we got to witness it firsthand here in Red Deer. It's very another cool. Winnipegger, which is just... Yeah, we're running out of Winnipeg yeah. musicians at this point. I don't know. Point. Are we going to? Uh, big thanks to Sawback Brewing Company, Ghost Services, Inc., and Bose Bar and Stage. Yes. What about our buddies here? doing some Ryan recording? and Riley, producers extreme supreme or something like that here in the communal creative studios uh which has a youtube channel where you can watch all of our episodes of the road the stage 
It is called Communal Creative Studios on YouTube. Go subscribe. And this is episode 65? Yeah, I think so. Wow. Yeah, crazy stuff. So let's get to it. I I hear y'all. Do you hear me? Yeah, we, we got you loud and clear. That was remarkably fast, right? Yeah. <laughs> that Winnipeg fiber. The what? That Winnipeg fiber speed internet. You know? How's it going? We really, yeah, we really pride ourselves on our internet speed here, for sure. I do like our backdrop pretty nice, but I think we need some fish. Yeah, no, y'all look way more pro. I tried to, like, get some sort of backdrop that was, like, kind of cool, but, like, you look like... No, that's pretty impressive. I like it. You you have an appreciation, a deeper appreciation for art than the average person, right, Alexa? <laughs> <laughs> yes, fine art. <laughs> Is that Nemo up in the top? No. Exactly. We found him. Because <laughs> uh, your, your, your father works in visual art, right? Yeah. Yeah, he's an artist. Oh, he's an artist and he's a curator as well. Yeah. Okay. I know, researchy. I love it. <laughs> we've uh, we've actually just done a couple of interviews where there's been very little uh, information out there about the guests. Uh, that's not the case for you though, because you you've been around for a long fucking time. Yeah, there's there's some Google searches that I don't even I, I don't Google image myself anymore. <laughs> <laughs> used to be an issue or what? I don't know. It's just I I guess I'm a very emotive. I guess I'm a very emotive singer so like all the images i'm just like <laughs> like in every i'm just like that's cool keep it to yourself i have a real my wife hates it because i have a knack of just taking the in those exact moments right where your face is all twisted contorted your eyes are half open half closed and i managed to snap those shots almost every single time really she hates it you're Everybody's like look how beautiful you are right? and she's like ah! i'll yeah. show you later her the profile pic on on my phone when it comes up it's but but it does that's just for friends and family not for taking pictures at concerts or what uh no all the way around like, i can do it too i bet you i bet you i've i think I, I i could probably find a couple on my phone that i maybe captured a view at bows here that might yeah you know yeah. it's just it's fun it, it's not my truth to look calm in singing photos <laughs> it's just not my destiny and i've i've come to terms with it i'm okay with it which is great that kind of like i i mean the, the first thing I thought about, well, first thing I thought about when we were doing this chat was how do I not just spend the hour complimenting how fantastic you are? Because we'll well. get into that. Like, I, like when you played at Bo's opening for Shaky, and I think we both had the same experience, but I came in just a touch late and I came through the kitchen doors at Bo's and I just opened up the door and I was like, holy fuck. Yeah. Like just <laughs> voice commands attention immediately. So has it always been that way? Like when you were little, did you just command a room? I mean... You'd have to ask my mother. I mean, <laughs> I definitely sang and took up space from a young age, definitely. I mean, I feel like I was definitely a person that like, my parents would have like friends over and I'd be like, wanna hear me sing a song? Like I'd just come into the room, whatever. And, and would just always try to like, take opportunities to sing like at school and stuff, like go for the solos, like try to do stuff like that. Yeah, I was, I was allowed or, or it's like I was shy in some ways, but then when it came to like singing and being out there in that way, it just was something that I didn't even think twice about. I was just always making noise. <laughs> but you've got, you've got, it hasn't always been like that. It seems based on some of what I read about you is that you've kind of been on a roller coaster of confidence in terms of like exposing yourself as a solo artist. So you're talking, oh, yeah. we're talking about uh, Alexa as a young kid, you're taking up space on uh, some church stages right for a number of years yeah in which case yeah. you are not the center of attention 
No, not supposed to be. But <laughs> yeah. No, yeah, definitely started off kind of in the church context. Yeah, where it's easier to be like, we're all doing this together. So then I would feel more comfortable not necessarily being like the center of attention, but still getting a chance to explore what it felt like to be on in front of people, like on a stage, mm-hmm. to feel what that felt like. That and, definitely. And did you have a constant like, just bring it down just a little bit? But just no, you just gotta bring it down just a little. Like, did, were you constantly fighting that, or was it just like all bets off, and you just just give her? I would just give her. I mean, I, I felt like I could read a room enough. Like I, I definitely didn't like being annoying, like, or like, I feel like I was self-conscious enough to not necessarily be in everybody's face, but yeah, I was loud. I feel like if I see kind of like home videos of myself as a kid, generally I'm in like my own world. Like, I feel like I would just create kind of like worlds by myself where I'd be singing. It was more for me. Like I wasn't necessarily looking I didn't always necessarily even want people to look at me, but I just would sing songs or create my own little worlds. but it was mostly just for me because I was always somewhere in my mind different than where I was, I guess. I don't know. And whether intentional or not, like the knack for you drawing people in to want to come into that world, like that's one of the things that, again, I just walked through that door, heard that voice and just was immediately like, oh, what is she same. Yep. <laughs> and well, just- and I do feel like the church definitely gave me a foundation for that. I'm not, I don't affiliate with the church anymore in that way. Like, but that was definitely uh, like a crash course in inviting people in, in a way, because with that music, you're meant to be leading people like with like praise and worship music or whatever, like you're on stage and you're supposed to be, and I was taught from a young age, like engage with the crowd. Like you're supposed to be leading people in music. So it was always like less about the performance outward as it was about keeping my eyes open and like watching people and and kind of inviting people in or whatever. And I feel like for better or for worse, whatever happened with the church, who cares? But it's like, that stuck with me, definitely. That, that performance style, I guess, in a way of just like, trying to invite people into like what I'm saying, even though I'm not necessarily asking them to like praise the Lord anymore, but I'm kind of just like, let's all be in this space together, like feeling emotions together, like just trying to be like, it it is kind of like that community energy definitely is still a part of how I perform and how I like see music in certain ways. You're just drawing them in for a, a very different focus. Exactly. Yeah. Very, yeah. very different for, focus for emotional release rather yeah. than uh, try to go to heaven or hell or whatever. Yeah, obviously. <laughs> so it's a good thing our podcast is not that original concept of church performers and what went. We were wrong, totally. Right? We yeah. had sat down and had meetings, and we're like, we, "This is really." We the- will only talk to musicians <laughs> who got their start in church groups. Okay. Cool. <laughs> well, the list. Uh, you'd, no. you'd be surprised. I mean, do you you know Joey Landreth? Yeah, so many, so many guests yeah. that we have. That's, and that's yeah. where we met was in the church. And we that was my first band, like my first band that I was ever really on a stage and touring with was with Joey when we were like 15. Yeah, no, I yeah, mean, that is I definitely not Boy, uncommon. Boy Golden uh, had a similar, similar yeah. start. Oh, yeah. yeah. I didn't know that. No, I mean, it's, uh, you know, and as someone who I, my family did go to church when I was uh, a young teen, but. Um, I mean, I, there got to a certain point where that was the only thing that I actually really cared about on Sunday mornings was seeing yeah. that band rock out for 15 or 20 minutes. You know what I mean? 
Well, and I didn't necessarily go to like a rock out church. It was kind of more on the milder yeah. side. Of, of like it was kind of in between like hymns and then there would be a drum set, but then there'd be like plexiglass in front of it and like shit like that, where it's just like, ah, like we're afraid of rock music, but like we kind of want to be cool. Yeah. But then the band that I was in with Joey, we would kind of travel around to other like more mega churches. That's where I kind of saw more of the other side of evangelical Christianity that then eventually kind of turned me off. Yeah, but. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So, and then, okay. So you move on from that. What is little boy boom? That's my band with Joey okay, and Meg right. Dolovich, bass player who I think is touring with William Prince now. And cool. he's played with a bunch of different acts and Ryan Voth, who is Winnipeg based who played like, yeah, that, that was all the people that I met in that church con like uh, that church community vibe. We then were like, we want to play in bars yeah like we were like turned 18 well the drummer was not 18 yet but we didn't tell anyone that and we yeah. started playing in this local bar every wednesday we thought that we had fucking like made it we thought that we were like like we were celebrating that we got like a wednesday gig that we would play from like 10 a 10 p.m to like three in the morning wow. and get like 30 bucks each but we were like yeah we're doing it your first residency mm -hmm. and this is all in winnipeg yeah all and then when did you start to branch out what was kind of one of the first tours that you went on well so little boy boom was kind of like the dream of me and my little buddies we were like this is going to be our band but we didn't necessarily really have like a plan of action we were just playing kind of in bars all the time and, and really honing our like little did i know that i was finding my voice like in real time like we were i didn't go to voice lessons i didn't do any of that kind of stuff so it was like that was how I learned how to sing. But you don't really, when you're just doing it so much, you don't necessarily know that that's what you're doing. But like, I feel like that's how we became the players that we are today. And then there was a like kind of the generation older than me, a group of singers in the city, their band broke up and they wanted to start a new band. And they kind of were like coming to my bar gigs in the back of the bar being like, hey, maybe this person could sing with us invited me for coffee and then I joined this band that didn't have a name yet and they were like okay we have a showcase in LA like oh, wow. and next month and I was like I have a Halloween gig like with my bar band next month so I had to make this choice like do I continue on this track with the people that I thought I was gonna like make it with or do I choose this band who's already kind of established that they want to start this new thing they have all these gigs from their old band that they had to fulfill and that was, it was kind of like this open-ended story of like, okay, this is the dream, but you don't really know these people and this, you don't really know what's going to happen, but these are your best buds. So like yeah. what I, it was like one of, if I can like think about it, it was one of like the hardest, like most painful decisions of my teen life. Like I was so torn apart because it was like, this is my dream to travel with music. That's all I wanted to do. And it's presenting itself right there. But then I have these people who I love and who I feel like betrothed to. And there was one day, like a mentor of mine in town, I was hanging out with him and he was just like, you know, you'd be an idiot to not take this opportunity, right? Like yeah. we've seen you playing, like you have to take this. And everyone was gonna get these different opportunities. Like you have to take this. And I was like, ah. So then eventually I chose to go kind of more of the mystery route. And then that's how the band Shit Gem In, which was a band I was in for like eight years. That's yeah. how that band was formed. And I was just 19 jumping into an MPV with no air conditioning, driving across 
the US with these people that kind of knew what they were doing more than I did. And I was just like, my dad was like, are they trying to scam you? Like, do you even know these people? (laughs) I was like, I don't know. But then it turned into this amazing experience of like opening my eyes to to not only opening my eyes to different people that I had never met in my entire life, like from all over the world, but like all these folk festivals that I would have never had the opportunity to see that are just in these little niche places in like Northern California or like Oregon or like different places in Canada like and in Europe. Like I got to travel all over the world with these people. And that was like the biggest highlight. The music of course was so fulfilling and amazing, but just the experience that I got from being in that band was incredible. Like, yeah. Well, and most of them had had a lot of experience already too, right? Mm-hmm. So you mm-hmm. Kind of decent guiding yeah. voices through it all. Do you remember much about that trip to LA? Oh yeah, like no air conditioning. That's what I remember the most. <laughs> so fucking sweaty. And like, we just had a bunch of CDs and it was kind of in the cusp era of like when GPSs were a thing, but then uh, one of the members of the band was like really firm with like, I want to use maps. And I was like, yeah. I don't even want to read a fucking map. And we're just like driving along the desert. And we played these showcases, which now I see them in a bit of a different light. Like some of those showcases are so ridiculous but we were there just trying to be like we don't even know what we're gonna get and we were playing in rooms full of like white haired men with suits on with like clipboards and then being like i want to book you for an alaska run for three weeks at these like performing arts halls like it was just like a totally different world than i'm in now but it just like like those showcases some of them were to the effect where like there was a a clock on stage and you had like a 30 minute time slot to present yourself. Right. Like the cutest you could possibly be the coolest you could be. But then if you went overtime, they would shut down the whole like a PA. So if you would, so you're always like staring at the clock, like trying to be like, so cool. Then you're like, ah, like, are we even going to get to finish this song? Cause they're like strict kind of performing arts halls, like showcases. Yeah. It was just, I had never, I didn't even know that those worlds existed. And so it was like, it was an, it was an intense experience. And I was 19. Like I was just there kind of like, I don't know. Like they'd tell me like, we're meeting at this time. I would, I didn't know what to wear. I didn't know how to do my hair. I didn't know. Like, I was just like, just show up and sing. (laughs) (laughs) And is there any, like at 19, like, do you remember, was there any part of you that had, like some kind of radar and your eyes open because I mean, you, you, the, the stories are endless of people going and trying and getting taken advantage of and signing bad deals. So at 19, do you think about any of that at all? Do you remember? Or was it just? We cycled through like a few different managers, like throughout the uh, life of that band. And we, <laughs> I think we were kind of like, we would just walk into a room. I don't know. Like, I feel like, yes, we definitely had a lot of people saying the promises of like, we're going to give you this or, oh, you just come play this show and then you're going to be famous. And, oh, I bet, fuck, we had someone being like, I bet Prince is going to come to your (laughs) Minneapolis show. Like, just fucking like stupid ass shit that you look back on and you're just like, are you fucking kidding me? But when people are saying that to you in those moments and you're so, you want to receive whatever good things people are telling you, you're like, maybe Prince is showing up to my 
dumbass little show. One of the most elusive musicians <laughs> in the history. Like never of goes music. out and like he's gonna come to a Canadian vocal band like playing in Minneapolis. Like it's just like it's fucking dumb. But it's like I definitely we definitely had a lot of ups and downs and promises, but the this is so fucking cheesy, but it's like the camaraderie that we had within us, it it formed this like force field, like where we would just show up to venues and we would just be like, who the fuck cares? Like I, I was in it uh, to have a good time as well. It's mm-hmm. like, it was a quality of life thing. We had so many adventures. We would meet people because we were doing this kind of more fringy, like folk stuff. We were also in a bit of a different world where like some of those promises, yes, were like given to us, but a lot of it was like, come play this weird festival and then go fly fishing in Utah or like, and then meet this couple and do this. Like, it was just all these different experiences Yeah, that it was a bit different than like the standard track of like being a pop artist and being given all these promises. And we were just a group of women, one, one guy, four women rolling around. We were all fucking loud and weird and like, it just felt like we at a certain point, like just didn't give a fuck. Like we would just show up and play and we were confident in what we could do, but also we were always just looking for like adventure, like looking for like the, like to bring the rag of like experience of like wherever we were. So it's some of my most like greatest memories, like, and yeah, the lows were fucking low, but there were five of us and we would just be like, that's stupid. That person sucks. I remember, going to South by Southwest and some who will remain nameless, like bigger Canadian industry person called us fucking cunts. Sorry. Oh my God. I shouldn't wow. say that. I heard you say fuck. So now I'm like giving free rent. <laughs> well, but he like no. called us like the C yeah, yeah. word. You can bleep that out. No, no. Because we switched, we switched agencies and he was the head of the other agency. And I heard that and it was at some barbecue at South by. And I just, I felt so strong with these people. I, went up to him at like a day party or something in a bar and was just like, you can't talk to any of us that way. And like kind of told him off and like, he reached his hand out and I refused to shake his hand. Like I had so much confidence in my team and in my crew that I felt like I didn't care what anybody said. Like, I didn't care who you were. You can't treat like, I don't know. Like I just felt. I mean, that's atrocious, especially from someone who you're you know, in some aspect, you're supposed to have a, a working relationship with to a certain yeah. degree. That's crazy. it was supposed to be funny. And like all his kind of cronies around him were like, oh, yeah, that's it's a stretch. That's a great joke. But it's like, no, yeah, whatever. Like shit would go down. But I always at the end of the day, I would be sharing a bed with one of my bandmates because we couldn't afford to like get enough yeah. hotel rooms for all of us. And we'd just be like, that was stupid. Do you want to go out? Like, just like whatever, like. It, it felt and and because like I was young enough and kind of not knowledgeable enough in the hustle in some ways that I wasn't it it was only kind of near the end of the band that I was like oh industry stuff okay maybe I am interested in this in a different way like I was in yeah. it for the love of the game and then near the end I'm still in it for the love of the game but I felt like I was gleaning more of like the business side of things near the near the end whereas i wasn't as attuned to that but again you have to learn to play the game if you're going to keep in the game right yeah yeah so at the end of that band and i know it's not necessarily an alter ego anymore from what i understand but was begonia already a concept before that band had ended i mean i was always 
making music on the side okay. with multiple other projects like um yeah and with like matt schellenberg from royal canoe like we were always kind of making music together and he was a huge um encourager of mine that was always like oh one day you got to do this on your own and i'd be like oh you know i was so comfortable and having so much fun where i was and i knew that i had that itch to scratch but it just never it was like i'll know when it's the right time so i had a catalog of music but not really like a name for it mm -hmm. not really an intention with it it was just kind of whenever i would be in town like i would do like a holiday show like with other bands like i had a band that i still play with called the new lightweights with ariel posen and ryan voth from my original band it's like when we would do more kind of like country covers or something and then i had this other band that was more like okay we do more like kind of bedroom pop kind of stuff like i've just had all these different outlets because also with shit gemin um there were five contributing songwriters so right. i would maybe write 10 songs but only like three would get on an album and then i would have seven other songs yeah. that were hanging out there being like okay someday i'll do something with this but but it wasn't really i didn't know what it was until that band ended and then it was like okay is there intention behind this right yes there is yeah and it was and it did serve as an alter ego for a minute yeah definitely and sometimes i guess still i can indulge in that but now more or less it just feels like it's all it's all me it's all the same in some ways and people will ask like do i call you begonia or is the band begonia and i'm like i don't <laughs> fuck whatever whatever the fuck you want like when i'm on stage i say hi i'm begonia but it's like it's whatever people perceive it to be like i'll take it i don't care like because it is a collective in some ways too and when i came up with the name at first i wasn't sure is this a solo project or will i be in a band because i was in bands all my life i had right. never done anything alone like that so i thought in my head like i'll make a name that could be a band if i end up having a band but it also could be me and then it ended up me being in all the photos alone and i was like oh, i kind of like this but then still in the background i make i'm collaborative in every way i make right. all my music with collaborators i have my live band that i feel so akin with like and we like it, it's like it's not just me that makes it happen but like i am in all the photos and i do make all the decisions at the end of the day which is fun yeah, it's and we talk about all the time. We bring it up with Winnipeg artists. Just it's just part of that Winnipeg scene. Like this is all very reminiscent of talking to Liam about the Boy Golden situation, right? It's almost yeah, and Matt a, Peters and Jess Ayer and yeah, it's, all, all it's wild, like wild man. So and you're in, you still live in Winnipeg, in Winnipeg now. Never mm -hmm. any thoughts of Toronto, Vancouver? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I I love Winnipeg and I defend it to the death. But that doesn't mean I will never leave. Like it's it's one of those places too that is the best place to come back to and now we're starting to tour again so my head is all discombobulated because i just i had never like since i was 19 i had never been home really for that long so right. i'd be like oh i love winnipeg and then i'd realize i haven't actually spent like a year here in like in a long time yeah so then this like pandemic time kind of just like made me reevaluate like okay what is winnipeg to me like what is home to me and i still i feel like i'm more interested in like extended stays now like going to 
maybe LA for a couple months, going to Montreal for a couple months, going, I just love popping into places, but Winnipeg is always my home. Like yeah. in my, there would have to be a really great opportunity, something really better internet to pull me, to pull me there. <laughs> that doesn't mean it's not going to happen, but yeah. sorry, what did you say? Better internet. There'd have to be better Wi-Fi service. <laughs> then Winnipeg. If Shaw, if, if Shaw calls me and says, we can offer you a better plan if you move to Halifax. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Is there, have you been given advice by industry people that... Uh... Oh, people try to tell me yeah. what to do all the time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. People tell me what to do all the time. Like... <laughs> And just people from Toronto, I was like, you have to move to Toronto. And people from LA are like, you gotta move to LA. And then people from Montreal are like, you're gonna love it here. And it's like, yeah, I love all those places. Yeah. Fuck you, fuck you. Like, I just hate the kind of like, and I, maybe I'm more of a contrarian than I think I am because I feel like sometimes when people tell me you gotta do this to help your career, then I'm like, that's exactly what I'm not gonna do. Yeah, yeah. Which maybe isn't always the best for me, but I don't know. I just feel like, the entitlement and and the lack of like uh appreciation for what winnipeg offers to the canadian music scene is just like so it's so overlooked but there's such a deep well of creativity and joy and artistry here like and i love being a part of that and i yeah. love being i love sticking around for it in some ways too like i'm touring so much this next little while but i mean like i love just being able to be like that's my home these are my community members who I want to raise up. I want to tell you about this band. Have you heard about this band? It's like, that's something that means something to me to be a part of. And I mean, I could still tell people about it if I move, but it's just not, it's not in the cards for me right now, but that doesn't mean it's not going to happen. But yeah, people try to tell me you got to do this, but it's like, I tell them the Wi-Fi signal is so strong here. <laughs> I don't have to go anywhere. You can, these, we can just be in touch on the internet. These podcast interviews are seamless. <laughs> yeah. no, Win Winnipeg in general just gets a bad, I don't know. It's weird. I've, I, I, I've never been able to spend more than like a week at a time in Winnipeg, but it's a cool city. It's a really cool city. Very cool people. Very cool scene. I'm loving it. So obviously I'm... you you like traveling around. You love the traveling part. I noticed in uh, one of the tour wrap-up videos you just did a couple of weeks great ago. Great tour videos, by Great the way. tour videos. Yeah. Um, but you had gotten video proof of you actually driving. So are you not a fan of driving? Do you typically? Well, I love driving. Okay. I love it. Okay. But I'm never taking the video while I'm driving because that's not so <laughs> All right. <laughs> no, I love it. I have a need for speed. Oh. I have a will. I have a will for the road. When I started going to therapy the last two years, they're like, or the therapist was like, tell me about your calm place. I was like, I think it's on the highway, like driving. Like just the, oh, there's something so calming to me about just like centering your thoughts on like one goal. And I can't be like checking my phone and just listening to a podcast, listening to music, just kind of like focusing in. I really, and I love driving the big van. It just makes me feel like a powerful bitch. I just like, I love it. So are you driving most, are you mostly doing the driving on tour? Well, I was, it was mostly the bass player and I would drive right. for the most part, but now uh, Michael from Royal Canoe is drumming with me now. Mm -hmm. And he also has a need for the road. He loves it. So then I'm driving way less than I used to because it's like, if they want to, sure, like, that's great. But then every once in a while, I'll be like, it's my day. My time. Now I'm, I'm taking I'm six, seven hours behind the wheel. Now you say- Oh yeah, no, for real. I can definitely- put in some obsess obsessive hours for if, sure if, if, you, if you like to speed a little bit and you know you do 
maybe this is getting into the weeds a little too much, but if you're planning out a tour and you're budgeting, this is how much gas is going to be and this is how much food <laughs> is going to be, is there any room in there for, I'm probably going to get a speeding ticket or two? Oh, no, 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 no. Okay. no, okay. no. They never catch me. <laughs> I, they never catch me. The only way they catch me is when I'm home and there's those red light cameras. And right. That's when I get caught sometimes. Okay. On the okay. highway, they never catch me. That's, wow, some, some serious driving experience. <laughs> uh, yeah, your tour videos, uh, when we were, you know, following along with uh, the Shaky Graves dates, were, they're, they're a lot of fun. Thanks. You edit those videos in ways that I feel like I don't see very often. Yeah. I don't know what it is, but uh, <laughs> again, it appeals it's a, to me the whole sure. package. Again, you just whatever you're doing, it draws people yeah, in. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. <laughs> um, so, uh, like going back to Fear, which I uh, was not familiar with the rollout at the time, but it it seems like an album that you spent uh, quite a bit of time working on, mm -hmm. a long, long time, and then mm -hmm. you put out this album, which is incredible. You put out a live album as well which for some people looks like that would have been their last concert before the pandemic. It was February, mm -hmm. 2020, right? Mm -hmm. Where did that con like, how did, how was that concept born? The idea of putting out this like fully flushed out live, live album. Well, I definitely was like, okay, if we're putting all this time and effort and production into this show, I want to capture it in some way, but I didn't have a, at that time, there wasn't a plan to put out a full live album. It was like, maybe we'll cut some vids to put on YouTube. Like it wasn't like that idea wasn't formed at the beginning, but then when almost immediately, like we were on the road and then we got turned around because of pandemic stuff immediately within the first couple of months, I was like, okay, well, I guess I'm not leaving for a while. Like we could oh, okay. do something. We could do something with the footage. We could make something joyful and fun and, and I mean, it wasn't something that hit me right away because what hit me right away was like a depression and stuff. But mm -hmm. like after that, when I cleared my cobwebs a little bit, uh, we were just kind of like, okay, how can we make this something that we can share that is joyful? <laughs> and like, because that show meant so much to me too. I was just so grateful that we thought to record all of it, even though we didn't know what we were gonna do with it. So then it just felt like, okay, we can, put something together and I spent a lot of time because there were five shows. So I spent a lot of my days uh, listening through the shows, which some days were easier than others because some days I would listen and it would just make me too sad and I couldn't. So it took me a long time to like actually edit it together because I was just like honoring where my mental health was at, where generally speaking, I would have just pushed through and been like, fuck it you're sad all the time who cares but like right this time i was just like oh man i'm gonna take my time because i would just listen for like a full day like trying to be like was that performance better or was that performance better and i was like this makes me too sad i can't touch it but then yeah sad because like that's just the the how you're feeling in that time or was there something about the performances it was sad because i it was so fun right and it felt like there was this momentum boot like i just where I was in those shows was so joyful and hopeful and excited about the future. And, and at the time when I was editing it, it was in the never ending cycle of stay at home orders and unprecedented this and all that kind of stuff. So I'd be listening to it and being like, am I ever gonna get to do this yeah. in this way again? Like, it just like, was like bittersweet. It was sometimes so encouraging and so fun. And I was just so grateful that we got to do all of those shows in in the way that we did them without any thought of any 
anything bad. Right. <laughs> like we just, they were so joyful and fun. And like, it was, it was such a culmination of work that I had been putting together for so long. Like it just felt so satisfying and validating. And so then listening back, it was just like, I, it was just this mixture of emotion. Like, is that ever going to happen again? And like, but then also like, I can't believe we got to do that, but then just mixed into this kind of like, I can't listen to this. It's too much, too loaded. Well, I'm glad you pushed through because it's very, very cool. Well, and I think of like all of the musicians going through that during the pandemic, I would think Winnipeg would probably be the best place to go through that. Again, because it just, it feels like there's such community there. So was there a lot of like, you know, were you making calls to the Brothers Landreth and uh, other artists in Winnipeg and you guys were all in it together and it seems like such a big community? There would be some days where I'd be like FaceTiming like, 10 people like in a day and then for a week I'd be like I can't talk to anybody (laughs) but like yeah like we we would all kind of like check in on each other and be like hey you still alive in there like how you feeling and then it it would be waves though and because it was still like I knew that like Dave Landreth lives like a few blocks away from me but we weren't seeing each other like and I'm not gonna I'm not gonna FaceTime the same people every day so it was like there, there was a lot of solitude time for sure. And a lot of time of personal reflection, but knowing like, yeah, I still, I still felt a community energy, but I think everyone was kind of going through their own isolated um, events, like with themselves, like everyone needed to take their time to figure out what they were doing. So not even everyone wanted to answer all the time when I wanted to talk, it's like, or vice versa. Like there'd be a time where I'd like FaceTime someone in the morning and then they'd call me back later in the evening i'd be like no the windows the windows done i don't want to talk to you it was a weird time like (laughs) there were so many video calls video calls with people that you wouldn't even have even talked on the phone with exactly period of time right like totally it was just like it was kind of cool that you all of a sudden had a weird excuse to video chat with someone for the first time in your long friendship but i also Mm -hmm. found out i i got weight i drank too fast in zoom calls like if there were big zoom gatherings oh yeah 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 yeah, 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 yeah. i don't know if it was nerves or just like the anxiety of of i don't know being on a video call for 45 minutes but just drank way too fast for almost all of them it was a disaster <laughs> to put a post-it on your computer that says pace yourself slow down <laughs> slow down um i i do want to go back to that the the creative process a little bit and you are do you have plans for the rest of the year are you putting more music out this year Yes. Okay. The answer is yes. The so, theory, yeah. Yeah. The answer is yes. Yes. Okay. I'm not thinking about it yet. No, I am. You you said that you you do a lot. There's a lot of collaborating. It's not just you bringing the ideas to the table. And then when you're mm-hmm. working with the Mats, aka the de- Dead Men. Yeah. Matt Peters, Matt Schellenberger, or Schellenberger uh-huh. rather from Royal Canoe. Um, Let's call him Schellenberger. I prefer it. <laughs> <laughs> <Oops>. um, <clears throat> with like the light, um, with those booming horns. Is that something yeah. that you knew you wanted to do or was that something that they brought to the table? Cause that does, well, it fits, fits the profile for, for the mats, right? Well, that song was a tough nut for sure. Cause that was one that we had written on like a writing retreat that we did. And we read it, we wrote it, we read it. Wow. We wrote it in a very particular way. And I was already like, performing it on festival stages like before we had even recorded it but I knew that there was something off it was a bit less booming to start it was a bit more jazzy and like had like different lyrics and 
And I tried it on stages and I was like, there's something just not hitting. And then we brought it to Marcus Paquin, who also produced that album with the Mats and I. Mm -hmm. And <clears throat> I played in that demo. And I knew in my heart that it wasn't hitting, but I didn't, I wasn't ready to admit it yet. And he was just like unmoved. Like he listened and was kind of just like, the song does nothing for me. And I had a mental breakdown. Like I was like, ah, even though I knew, yeah. I knew that that was true, but I wasn't like, I hadn't said it out loud yet. So then when he said it, I was like, ah, and I just became very like, like that song became a bit of a burden to me where I was like, we're never going to crack this code. But then actually the, like my episode from hearing that he didn't like it turned into what, like, that's what made me write fear okay. was because I was so freaking out about it. And then they were like playing a bass line in the basement. I went upstairs to like cry and I told no one to look at me and I was, but I didn't tell anyone that I was feeling that way. I was just kind of like, I just need to go to the bathroom and like make a phone call. And I was like, Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm shit. Like, just like that moment of like, nothing I do is good. Like I'm never going to be anything. Da, 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 da. And then came back downstairs and they were playing the baseline that became fear. And they're just jamming out. And then I took the microphone and was like, Oh, it's yeah. <laughs> feeling so like, so then that was kind of the catalyst for that. But then the light itself, we took it into the studio after that. And, and I just kind of said like, okay, we're giving this song two hours. And if this doesn't come out to be different and like actually better, then we're scrapping this song. Cause I can't put my heart into this anymore. It's too, it's too sad. And then we all took two hours and we all went to like separate parts of the studio. And that's kind of when those production points came out and the mats kind of were like, okay, what about these horn shots or what about kind of changing the energy of it a bit? And then I came up with the verse, the verse, like the verses, I changed the verses up completely. Okay. And then just kind of sang them live for them. And that's what ended up being on the record mostly was just that first take because it was like, I don't think I can redo this, but I'm, cause I was really like trying to convince them that it was good. So I was putting like all my emotion in it. Cause I was like, I think this is good, but I need to commit or else they're going to not think it's good right. if I don't commit. But then, so yeah, that's a long answer to that's how that worked. <laughs> it sound, yeah. It sounds like quite a process. Has the, has the process changed at all for what we, we have to look forward to? Yeah, I mean, half, so like there will be a record, like eventually, <laughs> uh, but like a lot of the new songs were written or kind of refined during the pandemic. And a lot of it was like a start and stop thing where it's like I booked studio time in November and then we couldn't go in because of pandemic stuff. So then I thought that I had a certain amount of songs that I wanted to work with. And then it just, we had all this nebulous time. It was like, are we ever gonna go in? So then we were just writing more and more. A lot of it over Zoom, which is strange in some ways. And that was a whole new world for me to figure out. But yeah, like it, it was similar in certain ways where like, yeah, we all kind of know how we work now and we know how we're comfortable with each other, which was something that we were discovering more and more on the first record. And now it's like, I feel more comfortable being like, I don't agree with that. And they feel more comfortable being like, I don't agree with that. And like, cause that is trust when it comes down to it. Like if I feel like I can say, I fucking hate that. That means that I trust you implicitly. Yeah. If yeah. I'm like, oh, sure. We'll go yeah. that. Like usually like in a songwriting session you have to be open. And that's something that Marcus would always say too. It's like, don't say that you hate it 
until you know that you know that you hate it. Like, let's say we start with yes and we go down the road as far as we can, and then you can evaluate. So then that would kind of be how the mats and I would generally work. But at a certain point, if I know that I don't like something, I, I'll say it. And that's, that to me means that I trust you. Yeah. <laughs> and and it, I think it's vice versa because we can say like, I fucking hate that idea, but then go for lunch and talk about our lives and we still love each other. And it's like, no, we're not like in these like intense fights. Like we respect each other enough to be able to say those things. So. Will, yeah, will hot dogs me. will hot dogs be part of the theme of of <laughs> upcoming projects? I mean, maybe more corn dogs. I went to the oh. X Red River X last weekend. That's kind of a carnival here, and I had a corn dog, and it really illuminated things for me. So seasonal, I got to move on. Seasonal change, yeah. eh? Okay. And I, I I saw that post as well, and you got chastised a little bit by what? some for the ketchup choice. So what obviously, you you ketchup on your corn dog. Let's say ketchup's not of an course. option. What ketchup's not an option? What's going on the corn dog? Like mayo or something. Like mustard is just not never my first choice. Huh. It can be mustard a polarizing. I, I, like, I remember like a friend that I had in high school who would always eat mustard sandwiches and get some on her face, and I would always just be like, I, I, I hate mustard. I just remember hating mustard from a young age. Like the smell of it, the yellow of it. It's just like something I. I don't know. Every, everyone's got a comment. I can get behind the mayo for sure. I can get behind the mayo. You're down for mayo and a I'm corn down dog? For the mayo. Yeah. I think that's a beautiful thing about hot dogs slash corn dogs is that, uh, you know, across pretty much the entire planet, there are different variations of it. Have you ever made your own corn dogs? No. Oh, oh I don't know how to make things. Oh, okay. He's trying to think of potential <laughs> merch ideas involving <laughs> well, that. Involving well, you got to be very careful, right? Like you think corn of the corn dog maker. You yeah. Think, you think of the Foo Fighters and the Mentos. And Mentos getting thrown on what stage. What do they do with Mentos? Well, they just in the video they had for video they had uh, Mentos in the Big Me video. Right, right. And right. then all of a sudden people were showing up at shows throwing Mentos on stage. Oh. I don't think hot dogs is something you want. <laughs> I mean, you. hot dogs would hurt less than being <laughs> like guess. having a Mentos hucked at your face. <laughs> yes. It's kind of like it's like pellets, but like. Hot dogs, pretty soft. They could fire hot dogs out of like a t-shirt gun at a hockey game. Actually, that's probably that's very true. Actually, I think that has been done. Oh, I should get. <laughs> yes, you should. Hot there it is. We figured okay. it out. We did it. That, and so basically, this is how like the songwriting sessions work yeah. as well, right? You just the exactly, idea gets yeah, snowballing. Just, we're just and, riffing. Okay, we're just riffing here. Yeah. And boom, we've got our song. Yes, that is perfect for your set. You the have, hot dog. Bring out a gun that cannon. fires warm uh, foil wrapped dogs. Warm dogs. Hot yeah. dog cannon. No, foil-free, just foil free, raw just... dog, just out there. <laughs> raw dog no it. mustard, just straight up. <laughs> That's Yeah, I mean, you will get um, another niche fan base coming to your shows if they know that you're doing that, right? Yeah, hungry people. <laughs> <laughs> I think and I love that. Idea. It's perfect for the festival's set up already, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. Okay, I think we're good. It makes sense, too. It's It seems kind of on brand just with the way you interact with the crowd. On that Fear live album, there is a, a moment near the end of the show where you ask the crowd if they've been drinking enough water. Mm. So... You know, make sure you're <laughs> you're fed. Make sure you're yeah. hydrated at a begonia show. It's important stuff. Yeah, we just kind of okay. So that's good. We like bring out a hose. We hose the people down, and then we launch hot dogs at them. <laughs> that's good. Oh man, is it hot dog that's water? Good. Is that what is in the hose? Is the hot yeah, dog, are we hot dog these hot water? Dogs? Are we roasting these hot dogs? Bit of a limp biscuit. You're gonna be you're gonna be opening for limp biscuit with this attitude in no time. Oh, I hope so. Biggest dream of mine. <laughs> 
Um, now, does it get to the point, too, with songwriting where you go too far and you're like, okay, wait, hold on. We had the idea. We're taking this too far. Let's dial yeah, it Yeah, always. Okay. And I'm, I'm the queen of too far. I will go as far as the furthest person wants to go. Like, I love stupidity. I love, I just, I will go. Like, if someone is willing to riff with me, being in like if someone is willing to be an idiot with me and just riff i don't necessarily always have the gauge to stop it first like i will go as far as the stupidest person wants to go and that always works out <laughs> no <laughs> <laughs> but it's fine <laughs> um it's a challenge for me it's like sometimes on stage i'll do that just with my like banter and stuff and i'll be like Ooh, okay, you really, you really made yourself, you really made this hard for yourself to come back from. And it's always a challenge. It's like, okay, now you, you've said too much. People look confused. <laughs> so you have to figure out how to save it. And if I do save it, ooh, it's just gratifying as fuck. It's like, if you kind of just make the person who looks really confused and like you've lost them, if you kind of get them back, it's like, yeah, I did it. Have you ever done stand up? No. No? Never? Not once? You, why, why are you acting so too scary? I feel like I don't like people say that to me every, every once in a while. It's not like everybody says that to me, but people do say that to me every once in a while. I just don't think I would be that funny in that context. I'm, I'm, I think maybe that's contrarian in you, uh, you know, <laughs> refusing to, uh, refusing to entertain advice. I don't know. I don't know. I think I don't know. I don't know. Tell me it. to move to Toronto and I'll do that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think, uh, you know, it could, it could work out, but your stage banter was fantastic. I was wondering also like, what is your, um, for winning the crowd, especially in a venue, you're just on tour with shaky graves opening. Um, it, you know, you're guaranteed not everyone in the crowd is going to be f too familiar with you, right? Yes. What is that challenge like for you? It's kind of fun in a way, because the pressure, like, and maybe this sounds weird, but it feels like the pressure is off in some ways. Okay. you walk, we walk up, like, and as long as the band, like, feels good about it and is having fun to me, then it just doesn't matter. Like, then we do our best and the people that would be into it get to be in, like, will come into the fold. And if they're not, I still want to put on the best show I possibly can. Like, yeah. And so then, and that's the same thing where it's like, I look out into the audience and I try to find who's actually listening. And then that's kind of like where the focus lies. And I just like sometimes with the song, like hot dog stand too, cause it's like a bit of a quieter one. There would be nights where people would be chatting and I'm like, is this the night maybe I don't do it? It's like, no, this is my show. Yeah. And if people are going to listen, they're going to listen. And if they're not, they're not. And that's kind of the the cross to bear, like as an opening act in that way. And it's fun to try and win people over. It's like the same thing with like the banter when I know, like maybe it's this sadistic challenge that I enjoy where it's like, I want to make you like me. And if I hadn't, like, if I can't, then I move on. Unless people are like, really vocally mean which doesn't happen that often and and the shaky crew like they're all were so encouraging and nice and all their fans are like just there to have a good time is what it felt like for the most part so if they're listening or not like no one was rude like yeah and i understand like i try to be more conscious of that now but i've been a person that's probably talked while the opener was playing and i hate that but like i know that it's not like they're bad people if they do it like i don't love it and now i feel more kind of like 
if you pay to go to a show, why would you not watch? But yeah. at the same time, like I, I can't say that I've never done that in my life. So I try to just be like, okay, I just work a little bit harder. I just try to like, but you, you never want to like try too hard. So people are just like, what is this desperate bitch doing? It's just like, I just go on stage and do what I do. And then if they like it, they like me. Yeah, they're I, lost if I they're struggle, not paying attention. I struggle with that at so many shows because oh, you, you try to remember that everybody's there for a different reason. And just because I'm super into the music and maybe super into the artist that's on stage and want to focus and listen, other people are maybe casual fans and it mm -hmm. is a night out for them with their yeah. friends. And, you know, mm -hmm. so I, there's been many times where I've wanted to say something. I was at one show where and it was the headliner was on and uh, we were kind of standing right at the front of the stage and there's a group of about six people behind us they were in a circle so three of them had their backs to the stage oh my god and they're all like i'm thinking like just go why? to the back of the room like if you're exactly. not that into it why wouldn't you just go go outside that's the thing that pisses me off when it's like you go to a show i remember there's one i don't even remember what venue it was there was just someone standing in the front very tall just staring the whole time it's like <laughs> Why are you in the front <laughs> if you hate this? Like, I just, yeah, yeah. But it amuse, like, I try to find amusement in all of these funny little things. It's like, what a, what a funny and entertaining thing I get to do all the time. Like, and I try to just like find the humor and try to just have fun with my band. Like if a show feels like a stinker and the people are weird or whatever, it's like, well, we're still here. So we can either decide to hate this, like, and make it really horrible for ourselves, or we can just have the best possible time that we can and appreciate each other and play well. And like, that's kind of like you, at a certain point you do have a choice because you can only really control yourself <laughs> so it doesn't like, while you're on stage you're aware you're looking at crowd you're have you ever been distracted by something not on stage or not in front of you while performing like oh i wonder if that uh veggie tray is still going to be in the green room <laughs> on stage. oh i'm sure i feel like though for the most part when like i am an easily distracted person in walking life like in waking everyday life like i just have cyclical thoughts constantly that are like shiny thing blah, blah blah but like on stage is where i'm the most focused that i can possibly be it's like that's where i am the most present in my life <laughs> and and like seriously it's like the most calming most present i'm i possibly am because i'm because there is that level of like again like with being an opener too and with every show where you're kind of on the edge of like oh this could go either way and it's kind of exciting where it's like i have this opportunity to do well and to meet new people and to gain new fans and to connect with people emotionally but it's like ooh, but this could go really bad so you're just constantly like <gasps> like you have I feel like I have to be present like and that's why I don't like like being I don't like being drunk on stage I don't yeah. like being high on stage like I don't like because I feel like I'm like people think I'm wasted all the time like when I'm not Really? And then when I am, they're like, I didn't even notice. Like, it's just like, <laughs> whatever. So I feel like I say enough dumb shit and I am flighty enough that it's like, I want to be present so that I can go off and do whatever, but then still like have my kind of like center point of like what I'm doing. And still no like vocal training, right? No education? No. <laughs> like I, I, in the, was it like the eighth grade? My mom was like, you, if you want to do voice lessons, I know this church lady, 
in her basement. Like I went and I sang like hymns and show tunes with her for like a couple months, but was like, this does not work for me. Right. I never really found like my niche in that way. Cause I'm not really a scholastic person. Like I, I did fine in school. I have, I graduated 12th grade, but like, that's about as far as I went. And, and I was fine. Like I wasn't failing or anything, but it was just school and like, yeah like the theory part it just never connected for me in the same way so it was always very like by ear and just very emotionally driven which sometimes has been a thing that I've been really self-conscious about in the past especially when I was starting out and it seemed like everyone around me knew so much which is like then when you as you age you understand that nobody knows shit but like everyone just is making their shit up just like you but I feel like it was something that I used to try to hide or like find ways to be like, ask people that I felt comfortable with, like Ariel Posen, for example, I would like get him to like write out all the keys of my song so that I could at least say, yeah, it's in the key of E like to people and pretend that I knew, but I was like memorizing from a sheet that he wrote all the keys on because like, I didn't fucking know. Like it was just stuff like that. Yeah. It's all, a lot of it is feel for me. And that's kind of my, that's like, my pro and my cons sometimes like that it's very like emotionally based well it's working and when are we going to see you out here again in alberta do you know i don't know well i'm playing calgary folk fest very nice okay in a couple weekends yeah and trying to think i mean i'll be on tour on and off for the next few years I so I'm I'm sure I will be back well I'm excited to see uh, your set again because your band looks like they're having a, a friggin blast too which was a lot of fun Absolutely to watch from, from the crowd oh that's great I love that and I have such good people like that come on the road with me it's like and that's a thing like when it comes down to it to me this is my life and this is like a quality of life thing so like I want the people around me to feel like respected and have fun because that's what makes it the best mm-hmm for me too so i love that you say that because that's nice to hear yeah it was cool yeah it's cool definitely one of those things where you know you see that person doing what they're doing you're like that person was born to be doing <laughs> that and that's exactly what it is with you were born to be on that stage and uh, and drawing people in thank you um all right alexa thank you so much it was a pleasure chatting with you and we can't wait to, to have you back in red deer yes thank you so much this was such a a lovely experience i appreciate you talk soon Bye. Bye. All right. I have, n- n- we've had some great conversations. Yeah. But I have never wanted to just kind of separate myself more and just let you handle things. Why? And hear her talk. Oh, Like, I yeah. don't know what it is. She's just, like, even just, like, on stage, we talked about the, the stage presence. Yeah. But even just listening to her, like, I could just listen to her talk and tell stories. Totally. All I mean, day. it like was such a like. Ugh. It was funny because we've been reaching, we've reached out a few times to try to get Alexa on the show over the last year, uh, especially as we knew that that Shaky Grave show was coming coming to Bose, and uh, saw her set on stage at Bose, and I was like, it's not, it's no, there's no way that uh, Alexa's too shy or mm-hmm. too too subdued to hop on a podcast. And so I went and talked to her. I was like, yeah, you you don't have a problem doing an interview. And she's like, no, of course not. It's like, I can't wait for this conversation because it's going to be a lot of fun. And it was fun. Sometimes you just got to cut out all those middle people and 
Go straight to the source. Um, one thing I'd noticed on her, too, it was awesome seeing her open for Shaky Graves, too. And uh, I forgot to, to mention it was going to talk about, too, but she had uh, played with Future Islands. Oh. I think not long after the Bow Show at a festival. Oh, in Victoria in or Victoria. something, right? Yeah, yeah. And uh, again, just talk about two artists that really captivate. Yeah and command your attention yeah that would have been a hell of a night yeah i, I we should have asked about that i'm sorry sorry right. i feel like that's my my responsibility Way to go because I, um, I was just listening to the <laughs> I, I was just a podcast listener for this all right so as as we release this episode um uh, wherever you get your podcast you are currently traveling back from the states I'm driving somewhere um, driving somewhere from from sunny California. I hope your trip is and was fantastic. I'm in the middle of Utah right now. Okay, there I'm we go. Life. Well, it looks like you're actually here. But uh, how does that happen? What are you going to be doing? Uh, I don't know. I actually don't know what I'm going to be doing in two weeks. So okay, good. I'll, we'll check back in. We'll be on in the, the road, the stage, right in the middle of summer. Um, one thing super important as well. We do hear from people from time to like, how can I support the show? And we over and over and over again subscribe to that YouTube channel. Obviously, that's a huge help. But share. Tell someone about. Tell it. somebody about it. If you enjoy the conversations and and. Do you know uh, someone who likes to breathe, yeah. aka enjoys music? Then tell them they about the show. Enjoy this. So share, subscribe, like, follow. And, uh, yeah, check out our friends Sawback Brewing Co., Ghost Services, Inc., Bose Bar and Stage. If you've never seen a show there, well, that should change at some point in your life. And our lovely production team at Communal Creative Studios. Producers CCS. Ryan and Riley. Thank you so much. You are loved and blessed. If everything goes well and I don't have any roadblocks, Wednesday. I'll be back. And when? 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 Wednesday. The Road the Stage is produced by Ryan Cooley and Riley Sir Yin at the Communal Creative Studios in Red Deer, Alberta. In partnership with Go Services Inc., Sawback Brewing Co., Tourism Red Deer, and Bose Bar and Stage. <laughs>